0: So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you, it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode. Go to hello forward slash class and save your seat.
1: Hi there. This
0: episode is actually part two of a conversation that started with my husband, Mike, in episode 71. So we sat down to record a conversation about our marriage and our lives together, both when I was drinking, the process that led up to me deciding to stop drinking, and then what our life is like now, what our marriage and our roles as parents and friends has been like since I stopped drinking five and a half years ago. Originally, I thought this was going to be one episode where I talked with Mike about all these things. And it turned out that we had a lot to talk about, that it was a long conversation, too long for a single episode. So if you're listening to this, this conversation is part two. If you want to listen to the start of our conversation, go to episode 71. That was part one of a conversation with Mike about my drinking, our marriage, our life after we stopped drinking. So part one was really about the beginning of our lives together. We got together when we were 23 or 24. We met young. And I stopped drinking when I was 39. So if you haven't listened to part one, we talked a lot about what our lives were like when we first met, how drinking was a big part of it, how Mike was never really that bothered by my drinking or my drinking style for the early part of a relationship. It was like before we had kids, there were some times when I got pretty hammered and it was annoying, but not that often. And how that kind of changed once we had children, once we had that shared responsibility and there were times and increasingly often times when I would drink. So he was just kind of left holding the bag with the kids in the evenings where I was just sometimes checked out and just unable to help if I had drank a lot when we were out in social situations or traveling and how that became increasingly frustrating to him. We talked about our relationship the good things that we had when, you know, I was drinking when we were together in the early days and how there's somehow this tipping point, how when we were younger, we spent a portion of our lives drinking because it was the grown up thing to do and code for that. And then at some point, we drank because it was the younger, cooler thing to do. And we were sort of trying to recapture that youth or remember a time when we didn't have the responsibilities of kind of adulting and being parents. We talked about in part one, how I was really defensive about my drinking and how much I didn't tell him how secretive I was about all the thoughts going on in my head about how worried I was about my drinking and how that appeared to him, how he just kind of saw me, especially in the mornings when i was hungover is just really irritated and defensive and distant and how there weren't that many hours for us to be around so work and kids and life and then we had the evenings once the kids went to bed when i was a lot of times just sort of having a party with my glass of wine on the couch by myself and then in the mornings i was pretty distant and defensive and irritated because i was hungover and so how that you know, affects a marriage, right? When you don't have that much quality time together. And in my mind, drinking was a big part of that. And I was wrapped up kind of in my own shit. We also talked about how it was frustrating to him when I would like fall asleep on the couch or pass out on the couch and he couldn't wake me up and how he kind of learned not to push me too hard on what I was drinking or how much I was drinking. He sort of learn to kind of leave it alone. And when you've been in a marriage like that for years, and your partner is still sort of perfectly competent in a lot of other areas, there are certain parts that, you know, you just decide to not talk about. In part when we talked about the idea of self-betterment and why he couldn't quite understand why I didn't want to share with him that I was hiring a sober coach, that I was trying to stop drinking because in his mind, that's a great thing to do in terms of health and wellness. And and yet I felt it was something that I really didn't want him to know about. And we also touched on how when I initially tried to stop drinking before my final time, I went to AA meetings and sort of my feelings on that, his feelings on that, also like the length of the meetings and how it kind of impacted our schedule and our marriage and the the sort of load and responsibility that Mike needed to carry. And we also touched on, you know, some of the ways that me deciding to stop drinking and what I needed, like him not drinking at home for the first 30 days, how that impacted him and sort of his feelings about that and then how it evolved as I got further and further along in my sobriety. So there's a lot packed into the first part of our conversation, which was episode 71, the, the podcast episode right before this one. And if you haven't listened to that, I really encourage you to go back and listen to that one as well. In this sort of part two episode, we're going to dive into what our marriage has been like, is like, what parenting is like since I stopped drinking. So we sort of dive into the last five and a half years, both early sobriety and as we go on. And Mike's also going to share sort of his advice to maybe your spouse that you can share with them about your process of stopping drinking and, and what he wishes I had known that would have been helpful to him so that he could better help me navigate it. And there is a whole lot else in this episode. So I hope you enjoy it and I hope it's helpful.
2: You know, and I guess part of the counter to that is like once you're at a point where you're drinking is a problem, it's um it's not always that much fun to be around. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I think that's part of it too, right? It's the like, hey, we're going to have some fun now because there's going to be alcohol involved. That had kind of gone away, right?
0: Really, um, even on date nights and stuff, because I I feel like what you would prefer is if I just like only drank on date nights oh, sure. or only on
2: yeah but vacation. it was as likely to end up a little less fun as not yeah right um because um you know one of the th- one of the things that's hard is you're a very competent responsible person just across the board and some of my frustrations around your drinking were just about like when that would fall off mm-hmm. right where it would get you to the point where you just weren't self-responsible.
0: Was I just like dead weight that yeah, you kind of som- had to like drag around?
2: Sometimes dead weight, right? Sometimes um, sometimes um, as simple as like can't drive, right? Sometimes as complicated as like has to be physically like assisted someplace. Yes. Which is all fine on a couch, right? But especially when you're traveling, when you're out in the city, you know, there's just risk. Yeah. Right. That You know, like, I don't know. I almost feel like I'm kind of a one of the reasons I don't like drinking that much, like I'm a regular drinker, but I don't really like tying one on, right? Because I just don't like that kind of loss of situational awareness, you know, I yeah. kind of like the, know where the exits are and, you know what I yeah. mean? Have a, you know, look over my shoulder and like when you're, when you're stuck driving and your navigator's asleep, <laughs> you know, it's a little frustrating.
0: Yeah. When I was drinking, I used alcohol to calm my mind, to relieve anxiety and to sleep well at the end of a busy day. I didn't know that alcohol actually spiked my stress hormone, increased anxiety, and as little as one glass of wine a night reduced my sleep quality by 24%. I was really excited to find Tanasi, a better way to find calm, rest, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code hello and get ready to sleep well. Well, and even I'm sure I got to the point where I was not walking well or tripping and falling or whatever.
2: Yeah, right, and, you know, and you know, not that bad, right, but enough that like you know, you talk about that business trip, right? Like that's a that's a situation with some risk? Yes. In it, involved in it. Right. Yeah. It just is. Right. And so I, um, that piece used to worry me. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, I mean, I count myself incredibly lucky that nothing bad or dangerous, as far as I know, really happened to me. And I think that's because 90% of the time I was with you, you know, I mean, we've been together since we were 23, 24, And if I wasn't with you, I was usually with good friends. And, you know, they, you know, a lot of my friends were big drinkers, but not all of them. I remember like, there's a story, you know, of course, everyone has big stories or stories, whatever. But there was a story about, we went kayak camping on one of the islands in the San Juans on our girls trips. And we would go every single year, like t-shirts printed up, it was a big deal, you know, somewhere between eight and 12 of us. And there was a discussion about who was going to stay up or with me and another girlfriend of mine, so that we wouldn't fall in the fire. You know, because we were still up drinking, you know, and so, you know, I do count myself very, very lucky that, you know, nothing bad happened. Um, you know, I also remember you were not at a wedding, one of my good friends' weddings down in Santa Barbara one year, and I went with a bunch of girlfriends. And, you know, one of mine was a big drinking friend, and we were very concerned about falling in the pool. It was just this gorgeous reception around this pool. And we woke up the next morning, we were roommates, and we were like, oh, my God, Mike and her husband were like, they are going to be so proud of us. We were so good. Like, we were freaking, like, high-fiving each other about, like, how awesome we were the night before and we walked into the brunch and they were like, Hey, do you remember to my friend, like when you guys were like slapping the ass of the groom's dad and she was like, uh, no, And they, they were like, yeah, Casey, do you remember when you jumped on Brian's back to the, like do this like dance thing that by the way, Edie always did with Brian, but you know, I mean, there, there was huge blank spaces that I just don't remember that it is kind of amazing that. I made it home. And that is scary. And
2: like, you know, I mean, going back to what started, right? Like not as much fun um, to sacrifice as you might think for the people around you. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. And um, it was always amazing how much you felt the need to be secretive in the beginning about making this like positive change yeah. where you think, right? The thing you would need to be secretive about is... You know what I mean? This, you know, you're drinking, right? Certainly yeah. not the end of it.
0: Right? I know. And so you,
2: you were worried people were going to find out, right? Like, yes, people at work or whatever, right? I remember having those conversations, right? Like, hey, you know, I just don't, you know, well, what, what are you? Actually what am I going to say? Yeah, what are you going to say and whatever, you know? And I'm like, I don't know. Just say you don't. You're, just, you're not drinking, and you know, you're like, well, they're going to judge me, you know, for it, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? like, you're like, I've seen you. <laughs> well, and it's just like the whole worry, right? That I'm going to be judged for my stopping drinking. Yes. Um, as opposed to the judgment people have had of me all these years for my drinking. Always baffled me.
0: Well, and I guess like in my head, I'm like, oh no, I've been playing this off pretty well. So you kind of think that like, either you surround yourself with big drinkers or nobody really notices, or maybe you're so obsessed with Drinking and judging people who don't drink as quote unquote, not fun or not cool or can't Mm -hmm. hang that you're worried. You don't want to be in that category because people who drink a lot are generally judgy of people who don't. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, one of the things that you were very helpful about, Mike, was I mean, I remember. I kind of huddled down my first month. Like we did not go out to dinner. It was easy. It was February, Mm -hmm. right? You had a lot of basketball games. Um, It was winter in Seattle. There were not a lot of social things in February and March. So we didn't really go out at all, which was helpful. I spent most of my evenings rocking Lila to bed after work, you know, listening to sober stuff, going to bed early and then waking up and working out at 530 in the Mm -hmm. morning. Like that was early sobriety for me. Um, you know, I did a lot of like sushi takeouts on Friday nights, I did pedicures, but you know, went to the garden store a lot, like that was kind of my early sobriety, which is, you know, basically, what I was removing was the party on the couch, my life wasn't that different otherwise. But, you know, I remember that I met, there was a woman in my neighborhood who I very much liked I, you know, we had kids the same age, she worked, I worked, she was cool. And she invited me to be part of this book club. And she was, you know, highlighting, hey, the women are amazing. They're all working women. They're really cool. We drink a lot of wine, which in early sobriety was terrifying to me. I was just like, what do I say? You know, and I was saying to my I'm like, a. I I wanted to be friends with her. I didn't want her to not want to hang out with me. She had mentioned the wine book club thing, which I knew was a thing because i had been a part of it. So I was like, Mike, what do I say to her? Do I say I'm not good? Do I at tell book? her I'm pregnant? No, definitely not. Would never do that. But I was like, do I say I have running club every time that she invites me? Do I say I'm not good at book clubs? And you were like, you don't drink. Tell her you don't drink. And that to me was like, it would never have occurred to me because I had so much fear around it. And I did end up saying, Hey, by the way, I stopped drinking, you know, two, three months ago. And she was incredibly cool. I didn't join the book club, but she was like, oh, yeah, I totally get that. I have to keep my eye on it myself. I, I've stopped at different times. So it actually kind of brought us closer. We did end up becoming friends. But just even me saying that, you know, it wasn't my worst case scenario. But um, I was also very worried when I was starting to sober coach, like long before I started a podcast that you would, I asked you, like, is it okay with you for work? Cause you're a principal at a, at a private school. Like, are you worried about me having a website that says I sober coach or whatever? Uh-huh. And you were like, what are you talking about? Right. What do you think?
2: Well, I mean, it was, it's, uh, you know, there's, I don't know, there's irony on it maybe in that and several different levels, right? <laughs> like um, yeah. Right. The whole, You know, it was another one of those things where like, will, you know, will it impact me badly professionally? People I know, know that my wife helps people um, make these better, healthier life decisions. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Like, how dare she um, do that? So that was kind of ridiculous. And, um, you know, it wasn't lost on me that, um, you know, we didn't have the same conversation. Um, when on Friday nights, you'd come to my, you know, I'm a high school, I'm a high school basketball coach too, right? When you'd come to high school basketball games with your, you know, little Yeti tumbler um, full of wine, you know, and sit in the stands, right? Like that, that, we didn't have a conversation before that. Like, hey, you think that's a good idea and people are going to judge me?
0: Now, to be fair, I just want to say when I did that, I was 25, 27 years old. It seemed perfectly reasonable at the time. I'm not sure why, but it was a Friday night and a sports
2: game. If there's fun, it should have alcohol involved as part of it, right?
0: Yes, yes. So in retrospect, yes, that was not cool, considering you were a teacher and a coach at a high school. And in theory, other people were not drinking in the
2: stands. In theory, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But when I was
0: 27, that was before I was worried about my drinking. That was just... Part of oh, I
2: understand. I'm just I'm yes. just laughing right of the the things when we when you make these better, more healthy life decisions, you're worried people are going to judge you on yes. as opposed to the decisions you were making before. And I think part of it's your brain desperately trying to find some excuse to yes. go back to what used to make it happy. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, and there's also this, you know, most we think that I guess we're so worried about having, quote, unquote, a problem with drinking that we think that if we actually stop, people would then be like, what happened? Was it really bad? Did you have a real problem? You know, what does that quote unquote mean? Are you an alcoholic? Are you weak? Yeah. And you know, it's just crazy that what I've discovered, it, you know, I was worried that people at work would judge me or not want to promote me or not want to network with me or something when I stopped drinking Turns out I was way better at my job, way more competent. It was easier. I had less anxiety and could still hang out with them. And also, probably did not have the oversharing, embarrassing shit that happened at the end of the night where you're like kind of hanging on and wanting to order another bottle and it's just weird and inappropriate. Like, none of that shit happened, shockingly, when I stopped drinking.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, you're like, the, the the career downside of the next conference probably wasn't quite as great. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah. I mean, because, yeah, I went to conferences in San Francisco where I don't remember getting into bed. And the next day people, you know, oh, Catherine helped you or this person helped you or yeah, literally there is a major blank space where that happened. And working a, you know, booth brutally hungover is pretty miserable.
2: So, you know, that was probably the ones to worry about.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Well, so when I stopped, um, you, I kind of wanted to talk about things that spouses can do, or things that you did that made it a lot easier for me, because you were actually really great. Thank <laughs> not, you. Not that you aren't. Which normally, is how you make it
2: onto the podcast. <laughs>
0: Yeah. But, um, you know, like I said, with like the telling the woman that I was no longer drinking, um, you seem to be way more matter of fact about it than I was. I had all this stuff built up around it. I think, you know, I was able to tell you when it was hard. Like that helped me a lot. Just being like, Hey, we're going to this party or people are drinking around us or XYZ. Like This is hard for me. Mm -hmm. Just even telling you Mm -hmm. that and having, you know, that having, you know, that a, I'm not drinking and we're around drinking activities and this is hard Mm -hmm. helped me. Mm -hmm. Um, When we went to like your auction, you were really good about always getting me non-alcoholic drinks, like always being like, you want a refill? Can I get you something? You know what I mean? Like you were very, very helpful. At mm-hmm. that, and even like years later, um, when we we went at a Airbnb in Amsterdam, coolest place ever. By the way, it was like this, like sixteen hundreds, you know, a cool place. <laughs> silk merchants' house or something. But um, they, when we walked in the door, they had a bottle of red wine on the table and two glasses, and I just went to the bathroom because I was we'd been traveling all day. And when I came out, the bottle of wine was gone, like no discussion. I had no idea, but it was just gone. And so, you know, there were definitely many situations where you helped me and supported me just by knowing what I was doing. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I don't know about you, but I cannot believe how fast this year is flying by. We're all busy, but one of the most important things you can do to make sure you're on the right path is to carve out some time to celebrate your victories and to notice what you've wanted to change but haven't been able to yet. Whether you're navigating sobriety, setting boundaries, or striving to be the best version of yourself, therapy can be a game changer. Therapy is for anyone looking for growth and support. And if you're considering it, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's entirely online. So take a moment for yourself and visit betterhelp.com forward slash someday to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P com someday.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, um, it's, uh, it has its limits, right. But the way I kind of, I don't know, chose to think about it from the beginning really was, um, like a newly discovered allergy, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which doesn't take into account the kind of addictive substance part. Right. But, um, you know, when you do that, it reminds you, right? If you're going over to the, you know, whatever, the buffet table to, you know, grab us both a bagel and you're allergic to sesame, like I'd have to make sure, you know, like out of love, you would make sure you didn't bring back a sesame one, yeah. right? And you'd, you'd make double sure. You'd ask yeah, somebody if you had to, right? And, you know, if you, were whatever it was, was on the table, something that like really made you, you know, was a health risk for you, um, then I'd make sure it went away mm-hmm. um, as just kind of a matter of course, Right. Um, I certainly wouldn't go out of my way to order that thing Mm -hmm. at dinner, right? Yeah.
0: You've said you no longer drink red wine. I did give that (laughs) up, right?
2: That was, um, you know, once I think that was kind of like, I was so happy to find out that I was still allowed to like keep beer in the fridge, Um, (laughs) right? Like it didn't, didn't have to change like that part of me forever that um, I would, you know, I don't, I I don't drink red wine, which is your thing anymore. It makes a lot easier to, Make sure it's not around, right? Yeah. To, you know, I just decided that I was going to, you know, say, "Hey, that's just not something I, I do either," right? So when I'll get, you know, gifts and whatnot, right, bottles of wine, and I make sure to regift them, you know, yeah, get rid you of never them. Bring, bring them home, home right? Because I, you know, you know, it's easier in some ways if I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't truck with red wine, yeah, um,
0: or we don't have white wine in the house, no. either. We don't have any wine in the house,
2: um, so um, that was part, kind of part of what you know made it easier for me to kind of make sure I was abiding by it or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, makes it easier to not order it at dinner and you know yeah. having it sit there across the table from you. Yeah. Cause that would be, you know, I, I guess I could get away with it you might not. You know, I remember my you first,
0: our first Christmas, I was like, God, so I quit in February. It must've been 10 months sober. I mm-hmm. forget how it happened, but you and my mom, Asked or something happened. Where could we have a bottle of red wine at dinner mm-hmm. on Christmas dinner? And I said yes. And then it was awful for me. And you guys didn't know this. I didn't tell you, but you, you know, it's my Christmas dinner. There's a bottle of red wine there. It's a special occasion. You guys drank it so fucking slowly. I literally wanted to wring your neck. Like I was like, I'm freaking gonna lose it. You two were sharing a bottle of red wine. Dinner. After dinner, there was a game. After dinner, there's still a quarter of it left. The glasses are right in front of me. They're three fourths full. I literally went upstairs to put Lila to bed. Was texting my sober bestie Ingrid like, I'm gonna fucking kill them if they don't. If I go downstairs, and this goddamn bottle of wine is there. You know, whatever. I came down, still there. You guys hadn't touched it, and so I like took it, filled your glasses, recycled it, and was like, I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. I'm out.
2: So there's a lesson, I think, there for, <laughs> you know, for some people, which is um, uh, the need for um, some honesty, uh, you know, right, uh, you know, around, you know, I think that, um, I don't know, the biggest advice would be tell your tell your spouse what it is that you want and need um, that, um, you know, carrying, you know, anger and whatever other emotions around things they didn't weren't aware of is probably not a good idea.
0: I wasn't really angry sure you at were. you. I was You're just... still angry now. <laughs> I think the next night someone was like, "Oh, well, we could have a bottle of red." I was like, "No, uh, no, no wine. You're done. It's over." And you know, but we do still have like people come for parties here, mm-hmm. and it's very you know, I am like, "Hey, we have beer and a bunch of other drinks, and if you want anything else, BYOB." And so, you know, my birthday is in two weeks and we're having people over and it's still BYOB for wine or whatever. I mean, you have beer. I'm like, yeah, we have beer. Now I'm a big non-alcoholic beer person. I'm like, we got regular beer. We got NA beer. We got a bunch of other drinks, anything else you want, just bring it. And when people bring wine and they're leaving, I just like hand it to them. And if there's wine left, when the last person leaves, I hand it to the last person. I'm like, do just take this for me because we're not going to drink it. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I put it out there.
2: Mm-hmm. But, you know, and most of your friends now that you're pretty open with them about, right, the fact that you don't yeah. drink wine anymore, wouldn't bring that to your house.
0: Oh, they totally bring it. Oh. They bring, yes, of course they do. The White Elephant Party, there are bottles and, you know, yeah. bottles and bottles and bottles of wine, which is actually okay for me now. Um you know, the first white elephant party, that was not easy, but it was still okay. Like I had my strategies and I was, you know, far enough along. Um, what else? I know I would not buy you beer for the first six months, which Mm -hmm. might've been kind of annoying to you.
2: Um, yeah, I guess. Right. But like, I had this whole bucket of things where I just would toss in all of the like things that Casey does and says now because she stopped drinking and like, <laughs> just accept.
0: Well, so tell me about those, because I'm sure people
2: Well, I don't know. It's similar to the bucket I used to have of like things like that Casey would be mad about or whatever when she was drinking, right? Like back in the day, right, if I'd come home from grocery shopping and not have brought red wine, I would sometimes be sent back. Yes. Um, right. Didn't have to be on the list, fool, right? Obviously you bring home, right? Uh, I brought home less than six bottles. It was like, what's, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? For the week? Yes. Uh-huh.
0: For the 10% discount?
2: Sure. Um, <laughs> and so what else, um, what else was in there? You know, there were a lot of um, other things you were kind of filling your life and hours with that were, mm-hmm. you know, new and different. I think someone were just kind of experimental, right? Because you were.
0: I started going to therapy weekly. So mm-hmm. that kind of was on you on mm-hmm. Thursdays to get the kids and get dinner.
2: Um, and um, you know, just, you know, right. You were just kind of turning over a new um, leaf, i guess, and all kinds yeah. of things. Right. Um, trying to figure out like, okay, what is that? What else is a part of this change? Right. For me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know. I kind of had this big bucket. I was like, I don't know. She's, you know, she's kind of like, screwing around figuring out what else i do with all this you know whatever time money and energy yeah um and um you know like it wasn't um that uh you know didn't have the part-time job of aa but you had suddenly this whole new kind of like sober people's world where you went and did all these things and whatever and like yeah okay right i tossed that in the in the bucket too i I never felt like I had to understand whatever the reasoning was behind a lot of it. It just, um, um, right. That's true of the people you love, right. You don't necessarily have to understand to accept. I feel like I
0: was like checked out a lot less because clearly I was checked out after the kids went to bed at night and then hung over a lot in the morning. So sort of distant. So I was checked out a lot less, but oddly after that initial bubbled up period, I was much more independent I was doing and asking for things outside of the family, mm-hmm. whereas previously I was always there, but irritated drinking, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was like physically distant sometimes more, but when I was there, I was, I think you said that I was much more even with the family and with the kids like less.
2: Um, yeah. And I think more so with me than with the kids. Right. I, I, um, the, I don't know, even the word I think about is like predictable, mm-hmm. right. Um, consistent. Um, cause you 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 know, never want to suggest you weren't any, it, always, um, pretty close to perfect a mom with the kids. Right. Like you were, you were very disciplined about that. Right. But like, um, you know your spouse kind of tends to capture, capture like, you know what I mean? Like, whenever, whatever emotions you've had to like <laughs> suck up all day at work and all day dealing with the kids, right? You're gonna, what you know, right? Your spouse is gonna eat them sometimes. Um, and um, I think that the predictability of how you were gonna be at seven in the morning or nine at night or whatever was much higher. Um, I don't think that I really. I certainly didn't understand at the time and not until much later when we talked about it, the amount of, um, I think, self-loathing that went in into it. Right. For you. Right. Um, Which, you know, I had a couple of hangovers. Right. And, you know, I get that. Right. But like, it was even more so. um, where you knew you wanted to make this change and hadn't found a way to do it.
0: And so scared of making the change.
2: right, And So. so, you know, in that, um, comes out in really weird ways. Right. Um, and so having some of that off the table, right. I think was really refreshing in some ways of dealing with you. Right. Like you've, I think you had a lot more, um, optimism about yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, and like, it's funny how the, how the, once you got that weight off of you, so many other things I think felt possible to you. That I didn't really understand that, that at the time, right? But you know, in pretty, you know, pretty close succession, right? You changed the, you know, changed work that was not making you happy, right? Because you believed, I, I think, I think what happened is, and I know because I watched you make the vision boards, you know, <laughs> along the way, right? Like you had this new like belief of what was what you um, deserved, yeah, to feel, right. I remember one point being like, I hope I'm not a casualty of this. You know what I mean? Really? Sure. You well,
1: anyway. you're like,
2: oh yeah, you're, you know, you're, you know, you're capable of <laughs> anything, and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna, you know, get rid of all these things that weigh you down, like you know, I, you know, outwent went the job and whatever. I'm like, hey man, I hope I, I hope I make the cut here. <laughs> you were never on the list. I, I, I know that now. <laughs> um. Uh. And so I don't know. I I I can understand. Um, the, the, the worry sometimes that goes with your kind of life partner, getting a new burst of, um, I don't know, self-worth, right. Yeah. In some ways, you know what I mean? Because, um, uh, you know, you're like the biggest commitment, right. That they, yeah. that they have. Right. So I, you know, I, I can understand how some people would feel some of those nerves, um, a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Um, because um, you know, you're not changing, right? You know, they are right. And so um, I think the I don't know, advice or whatever, I right? just like we don't realize sometimes how much um if we're gonna be with somebody for you know what, 60 years or something, like that they're gonna evolve, right?
0: You're allowed to change.
2: You're going you're allowed to change and you're going to, right? And like we get so worried, I think, about our evolution right and how they're going to react to that and we get worried about their evolution right and what it means right like you know the if you stay static all the time at least right you know yeah. that whatever whatever you have between you doesn't change too but that's not that's not true right yeah um you just have to agree to um back each other's evolution yeah even when you don't understand it necessarily
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that in part of it, we had to get a little bit more creative and then also figure out what was still really good. So like when we were dating early, like going on dates, when I was in early sobriety, I was actually pretty scared about what what I wanted to do for that date, because all of our dates had been involving drinking by design by me. Right out to restaurants doing pub crawls, doing we live right near a wine tasting area going there. So I remember having to like go through my list of like, okay, what would be fun? And we started kind of blank in the beginning. Well, maybe, yeah, it was hard. Um, you know, we did movies, we did sushi because I was never big into sake, and green tea was lovely with sushi, so that was easy. I think one of my favorite things we did was sort of going back to things we did when we were 25, maybe when we didn't have as much money. So we would get out our little crazy Creek camp chairs and go to a, a park right on the water and bring books and listen to music. Like that was pretty wonderful Mm -hmm. and very different than going to the wine tasting bars, but like, it felt actually really good again to do that.
2: Um, Yeah. and, And, you know, as you, as you list that off, yeah, I remembered it was even bigger than that, right? I mean, where
0: Hi there. If you're listening to this episode and have been trying to take a break from drinking, but keep starting and stopping and starting again, I want to invite you to take a look at my on-demand coaching course, the Sobriety Starter Kit. The Sobriety Starter Kit is an online self-study sober coaching course that will help you quit drinking and build a life you love without alcohol, without white knuckling it or hating the process. The course includes the exact step-by-step coaching framework I work through with my private coaching clients, but at a much more affordable price than one-on-one coaching. And the Sobriety Starter Kit is ready, waiting, and available to support you anytime you need it and when it fits into your schedule. You don't need to work your life around group meetings or classes at a specific day or time. This course is not a 30 day challenge or a one day at a time approach. Instead, it's a step-by-step formula for changing your relationship with alcohol. The course will help you turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst case scenario to the best decision of your life. You will sleep better and have more energy. You'll look better and feel better. You'll have more patience and less anxiety. And with my approach, you won't feel deprived or isolated in the process. So if you're interested in learning more about all the details, please go to www.sobrietystarterkit.com. You can start at any time, and I would love to see you in the course.
2: For years and years, where we would go vacation was built oddly around red wine availability.
0: Well, we went to every wine tasting area. Yeah, right. Like I just California, now, because Washington. Because it it's what made
2: you happy, right? Yeah. So like, oh, yeah, like this vacation, activity. we're going to Napa and Sonoma, right? And, yeah. And this vacation, we're going to this other place where it's known for, like, not just known for having red wine, but the, you know, nobody looks askance at you drinking it at noon.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, And so, right, you just, you realize how many, how many of your choices were kind of Built around that, and how you you gotta you know re-questioning like okay why you know like what what else was it that made that yeah the place of choice yeah you know and also remembering that we weren't going to great brewery areas right (laughs) (laughs) because we went to a few where I would you know where I would go right but yeah we built we built some of that every anniversary we would go away to
0: wine tasting long weekends and Mm -hmm. stuff so I mean that changed and you know it does take some thinking like on where we're going to go and what we're going to do. Um, I certainly remember, you know, I would then be like, okay, where are we going to go on our anniversary or a trip? And, you know, looked at a bunch of different places. And I remember, um, we went one year to Santa Barbara, because, you know, I had to think through like, okay, there's the beach, that's super cool. You know, you can drive places, of course, there's wine, right? Wine is everywhere, but it's not centered around wine. There are other things that are really lovely to do. Mm -hmm. Even when we were going to Amsterdam and Greece, you know, I had to think through like, okay, what do we like to do that's not drinking? Mm -hmm. And we love old cities and walking tours and biking and hiking and, you know, gorgeous towns. And, you know, those, those made the list. That was wonderful and so we had a great time in santorini and amsterdam without drinking of course you drank but not you know i had a great time um regardless and by the way in amsterdam there is incredible non-alcoholic beer which was really cool
2: yeah I, you know it's uh it's another one of those um those evolutions right and you realize like how many um how many days that you felt like really good days when you're were traveling were actually kind of um, just kind of pub crawls, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, you didn't really do anything. Um, I remember we used to have a our old saying when we would travel, right? We'd get to some, you know, you pull into some new town and you always see the place around the whatever, you know, wherever, you know, where people show up and, you know, kind of the crappy part of town sometimes. And when our rule used to be can't ever judge a town until you've had two drinks. Yeah. And yeah. It was like a
0: saying every time we landed in a new town. So, yeah. And it usually
2: worked, <laughs> right? Um, of course, by the time have, I got. We could
0: have just had a snack and adjusted to the town, too. could have.
2: But everything looks a little better, you know, partially because by the time I've had two drinks, you've had three. And, right, everything looks a little rosier.
0: Yeah. Until later in the night when I can't walk home.
2: <laughs> right. Uh, and so, right, changes the way that you it changes the way that you travel. It changes the way that you um, continue to date. Right. Yeah. Um, didn't necessarily end up changing. Um, you, um, you know, going to bed early. That turns out to not have changed at all.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: so some things remain the same.
0: Well, some things remain the same. Right. We were always sort of early to dinner out. I was never a late night girl. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I was drinking, I think the the most likely scenario was me just kind of fading away and falling asleep. Mm-hmm. Like way more common than me getting too crazy was that I would just kind of fall asleep. So, you know, yeah, I still go to bed really early. I still curl up on the couch most nights, get in my yoga pants and chill. I just am not getting drunk with a bottle of wine while I'm doing it.
2: Yeah. I mean, on some level, right. Like you're not as, um as wild or unpredictable as me, right. As you were when you were drinking right and you know and also on some level like you know wild unpredictable is not quite as interesting right because you know right i mean the older you get right it just kind of codes for um you know i don't know irresponsible or you know uh, you know something else and so um it's uh um it's not without like loss right yeah so you know places we used to go or things we used to do or whatever. Right. Some of those are, um, kind of lost, right. Cause you're just not your, your, your thing anymore. Yeah. Right. Um, and, but that's like I said, that's evolution, right. You yeah. replace them with things that are, um, that are more fun now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's, that's definitely true. I, um, you know, we sort of adjust what we do. Like I still love going to like, there's a winery around us that has live music. So I still love going there and listening to live music. And that's a really great night or going out to concerts outside. Um, I could not have gone to the winery in the early days to live music. That would have been just like pure torture, but now it's fine. But going out to, yeah, a place where the main activity is drinking. Um, And I'm not drinking, I'm just not interested in it. Like, it's just not fun. But if it's like a concert or a great dinner, or, you know, other things like that, if there are other things that are interesting, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. And, you know, I am readier to leave places earlier, certainly because I used to just want to keep the party going like people used to like pretty much have to drag me out of places mm-hmm. at the end of the house party or at the end of the dinner party. I never wanted to leave. So, you know, now I'm just kind of like, all right, I'm good. I'm going to go home and change into my yoga pants and chill and I'm happy.
2: Uh, and, you know, and I don't um, I don't get stuck driving at the end of the night anymore. That's now, a big Mike, case.
0: Mike now has a designated driver always. Um, which is good, right? I mean, because one of the things that I love is never worrying when I'm driving home that I'm not safe, whether the kids are with me or not, like just, you know, hell, I might get in an accident, but it is, I have not been drinking, you know, mm-hmm. I am safe. And that's pretty amazing. Cause there were a lot of times that you just kind of roll the dice with like, I've had two drinks. I've had three drinks. I think I'm okay. Okay
2: um yeah right I mean, we like, all, but, all have like, over the course but of like our life, dear right? god
0: i hope i don't get pulled over because
2: that, that could be a life changer
0: yeah and you know? so just when we go out knowing that i'm driving and it's all good i i feel like that's payback for 20 years of you <laughs> of you driving me home while i was three sheets to the wind
2: um In a way it's plus yes um and there are, there are definitely pluses um Scattered throughout all this. Right. Um, but, you know, I think that, um, you know, the most fun thing about it is I just don't know that you would have believed in in yourself or believed in all the good things that were supposed to happen to you enough to do all these other things you've done. Right. Start a business and, um, you know, start this podcast. Right. And, you know, talk to people. Um,
0: leave my corporate job.
2: Yeah. Right. All those Um, required this kind of renewed belief in yourself, right? And in my mind, it all dates back to that
0: one decision. Well, like the self-loathing is gone, which is amazing. I have way more confidence. I have way more ability to follow through on stuff. I'm not constantly saying I'm going to do something and then failing. Um, I'm baseline significantly happier than I was. Which I feel like is good for the whole family.
2: Sure, right. I mean, um, it's it's funny how um, you know, the same the same kind of saying has existed in spirit in our family for a long time, right? Like if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. Yeah. Um but there was a time when it meant like Mama had her wine.
0: Get mama her wine, because right? mama's not happy if she yeah, had right? her
2: wine. Um mama's not happy, nobody's happy. And so it's evolved, right? To like everybody's happy because mom's happy yeah um right and that's a good thing
0: yeah yeah so what else i know we're we've been talking for a long time so this might be a long episode but, but what about if women i mean every relationship is different every you know spouse reacts differently some women's husbands really want them to stop some women's husbands really don't want them to stop some people won't get the alcohol out of their house. Other people, you know, are, are feeling very differently about it. But a lot of the women I talk to are worried that what will happen to their relationship if they stop drinking a lot of times, because they always drank with their husband. That's what they do on date nights and vacations. Mm-hmm. a lot of times, because they're worried that they'll be boring or they won't be able to connect or, you know, just how will they freaking get through holidays with the family? And how will they, what will they do on a Friday night? So like, from a husband's perspective, whose wife has quit drinking?
2: What do you think? How valid is all that? Yeah, I Um, don't know. I mean, you work through um, it, right? Right. Yeah. So I think one thing that's important Important to keep in mind is that you are allowed to make choices about what you will do with you that you think are best, right? Like just to, you know, just to not be apologetic about that, right? I don't think I've got any, any real right to have an opinion on what you eat or drink, right? Um, you know what I mean? Like that's on you. And I think to be um, really upfront about the logistics of stopping drinking what's required for you in that um and try to be um as honest as possible about that right like you know you needed you know it's one thing for you to say i'm not gonna drink any you know more red wine it's another thing for you to be like i'm just rip shit at you for having you know red wine with christmas dinner right but i'm not gonna say anything to you about it. i'm just gonna be rip shit It's to just be really honest about like you know, some level I'm like, why don't you tell me what you need and I'll tell you if I can give it to you. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: Like, Hey, this is really hard for me. And I thought I was cool with the wine, but I'm actually not.
2: Yeah. And to just be, I think you can be respectful about like, Hey, I get it. I am asking you to make some changes about you to help me get through this thing.
0: Yeah.
2: And understand that you have some right to be able to do that. Right. You you know, that's part of like, you know, it's part of marriage. Um, You know, that you, you know, the decisions you make do have impacts on each other and that's just part of it. Um, but just be talk that through pretty honestly. Yeah. And, you know, be thoughtful about what has to be a permanent all time change somebody has to make.
0: And I think a lot of things in the beginning, mm-hmm. you need way more than you do later. You know, like even just those first three months were really hard. Mm-hmm. I am. Honestly, very cool around alcohol now, you know, and have been for a long time. Yeah. Still have boundaries because boundaries are healthy. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, I feel like I didn't change your life that much. Uh,
2: No, no. And the other thing that you've been really, I think, good at that's a danger is um, like you go from, you know, you go from the person with a, you know, problem drinking to, (laughs) to, to being sober. And then as soon as you get there, looking back at your spouse and being like, huh, how can you still do that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, I'm judging you now. Um, and I think that that's a potential problematic, you know, pitfall. Do you, do you they, feel like No, I do but that. I'm just, I guess my point is you've been very good about that. Right? About like,
0: not doing that. It's
2: human nature, right? Once yeah. we, like, make some change, right? We, you know, tend to look back at everybody who hasn't made it and feel some superiority yeah. a, around it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I have no sense of that at all, right? Um, yeah. So that's good. Right. I, I never really wanted to be one of your clients. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, right. You know, yeah. like uh, and so I think that was an, an important thing, right. That you did different and you don't feel the need to lecture everybody we come across either about it all, no. right? So that part's, that part's good. Right? I don't
0: lecture anyone no, about I'm saying it. What, like, you know what I mean?
2: Like what makes yeah, it easier? Like, I
0: think it. if people come to be interested about like, struggling with drinking or thinking of quitting drinking, I'll certainly talk to them about it, obviously. But, um, you know, I can recognize if someone um, drinks the way I do, but I never really say anything to them. I just kind of observe because you can't do it for someone or tell them. I know when people said to me that, hey, I think you got an issue with drinking. I was so defensive and angry and resistant to that so i think that the best thing you can do is just honestly share that you stopped drinking and you feel so much better and sort of dissipate some of those fears that we all have about life on the other side
2: you know i think it's probably worth like addressing the notion that um there's some mourning eventually that has to be done for the relationship that you had when you first met. Right. And you know, when, whatever age people meet, I suspect that alcohol is at the center of a lot of those meetings. Mm -hmm. Right. Because right. When we're out and about meeting people or whatever, just socially, right. If we're drinkers, we're probably drinking. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's easy, I think, to kind of confuse um, what changes in your relationship when one of you stops drinking with um, mourning the fact that you're not 25 anymore? Yeah. Right. Because um, a lot
0: of shit changes anyway. A lot
2: of shit changes anyway, yeah. right? But you maybe never really taken the time to, like, acknowledge some of that, I don't know, whatever it is, grief, right? Yeah. That, you know, that you're not partying yeah. kids in your mid-20s anymore. You know, a lot of the good things, a lot of things are better. You know, we're in our mid-40s now. and But some things aren't as much fun. Yeah. Um, and like the amount of times that we used alcohol to kind of pretend, yeah you know, that we were still yeah. partying, you know, or whatever. To like
0: escape from adulting.
2: I guess. Right. Um, and it was how you were used to doing that together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And right, it's a social lubricant for everybody.
0: For everybody, even yeah. if
2: you've known each other for a long time. You know, you tend right, like there were times, right? I think probably after you stopped drinking it, like we'd be out or whatever, go on a date or whatever, and be like, so yeah. right, like do we have anything to talk
0: about? Yeah.
2: And alcohol helps with that just like it does anybody else. And so I don't know. Just to say, like, try and separate how much you're bummed about the fact that you're not the people you were when you first met, and fell in love or whatever, from from this very kind of just personal yeah. health decision.
0: Yeah. In fact, I um, just interviewed Catherine Gray, who wrote The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober about her new book. And the reason I say this is because she was saying in sobriety, she was like, I think I'm just bored. I think I'm just, you know, I feel bored. And her therapist said to her, maybe it's not sobriety you're bored with. Maybe it's just life that you're bored with. Why don't you go do something interesting? And she was like, yeah, that was true. It wasn't that sober life was boring. It was just that life was fucking boring and I needed to go do something interesting. Well, and
2: a lot of times, right. You're, you're drinking helps you ignore that Yes, for another day.
0: A lot. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Um, and so, um, and I, you know, I think we're still on the advice part of this or whatever, right. Like knowing that, um, when you come off of a chemical substance, you know, that you're, you know, you were kind of addicted to, you can be kind of a, um, what's the word? Irritated. Sure. We'll go with irritated. Yes. Um, sometimes. Right. (laughs) Um, and like, just like know that too.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? I always tell women to tell their spouse that they're going to be super irritated, need more time alone, somewhat rageful. In the first month,
2: you know, maybe everybody's different or whatever. Right. But like, that's another reason not to have it be a secret, right? Because
0: you're going to need to bubble up and do less and lower the bar. Yeah. The first month's hard and it does help if you can tell your spouse, Hey, I, I know I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to be really irritated and at, you know, sort of at my last straw for a little while. And it does only last a couple of weeks.
2: Right. And, you know, just don't underestimate um, the, the lengths that the people who love you will go to, to support you in a decision. Yeah. Right. Um, you know,
0: a lot of times you don't ask for the support you need without even giving the other person a chance to give it to you.
2: Yeah. Right. And so there's a certain level of mistrust in that decision. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and just know that, that by just definition, Your spouse is probably one of the biggest enablers of your drinking, right? Literally fetching it for you. Um, And um, so their role has to change, right? If they're going to support you in it, right? Um, They can stop enabling you, right? They can stop, you know, it's, there's, you know, first step to like, you know, shoving the wine away when you see it is not bringing it home. right?
0: So actually telling them, I need you to
2: um,
0: help me make this change by not bringing me wine home or by, you know, even when I'm like, God, I really want to drink. Be like, wait, you said you were doing this challenge.
2: Yeah. No. Now, you know, that's not to say that that's going to always be easy. Right. Because, um, you know, you had some false starts yeah. doing this beforehand. Right. And yeah. if I had and each one of those said, nope, I am refusing. I'm it's, taking that glass away. From it's you, a
0: fine line.
2: Right. Like. Um, that would have been, um, you know, would have got my you yeah. know, hand slapped a couple of times trying that. And so, like I said, you got to be willing to evolve with each other.
0: Well, Mike, thank you for coming on. I know this is, um, I think, it's a good conversation, but it's hard to share our share our shit, I guess, openly and have it out there forever. So,
2: well, I I learned some stuff about you I didn't <laughs> even know before we did this. So, well, there you um, go. <laughs> Thank you for, for um, trusting me and having me.
0: All right.
2: Love you, bud. Love
0: you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit Hello Someday And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more.